Welcome, welcome to the RC Report, better known as or lesser known as the Malcolm and Martin podcast. There's a lot to discuss. <laughs> we only do this when there are situations that come about that we feel like need to be discussed from uh, from a black perspective, but I think unique black perspective, generally speaking, we don't go with just the flow of what every black person thinks or conventional wisdom, but I am joined by my co-host, Actively Lazy. Yay, I'm here. Yeah, I'm let's here. let's get right to it. Let's get to Jacob Blake. It happened again. When you heard about it or when you saw it, what first went through your mind? The first thing that went through my mind, because um, I try to stay out of daily news cycles, um, just because there's just... Like it's just, it just weighs on me. Um, but when I saw I saw somebody had posted something on Facebook, and I was like, "All right, man, look, you gotta watch the video." Like I I, I struggle with having to do that. I mean, even in my day to day job, I have to see some things that honestly most people don't really want to look at. So I'm not. It's not that I can't handle seeing somebody killed or shot or things like that because I see that day to day. It's, it's more of the reaction of the people around it. And all I could think about was the screams of the lady and her jumping up and down, like screaming at the cops after they shot the man. And I didn't know his name at the time. I didn't know the circumstances. I just knew from what I saw that that situation probably could have been avoided um, in regards to the to the seven shots that the man took in his back. And, and just seeing that lady jump up and down and screaming like that, that, that agony kind of weighed on me. I, I, gosh, like this is just like the fundamental stuff I was raised with. Like the Wild Wild West, even the things that you learn as a kid, like you just don't shoot a man in the back. It's just basic yeah. honor and dignity. The Wild Wild West, that was like an unwritten rule, if I can use the baseball code. But <laughs> if you're shooting a man in the back, I feel like it can almost always be avoided and you see the situation and of course we did catch it. They do have a second, some second footage where it looks like there was a scuffle between the cops and Jacob Blake but in the first footage that you see him walking away from the cops, obviously they're yelling, they're screaming, there's reports where they say put down a knife but they're yelling and they're screaming, they give me an order and he's not doing it <clears throat> and for my comply or die people I, I, I am aware that he disobeyed the cops, but again, we keep asking, how can they be the executioners? Why is it so easy for them to pull the trigger? Especially, and I think when we get into it, it's the black people, there's this fear that Trevor Noah talked about it, and I've talked about it before, and other people talked about it. The skin color, there's this fear that they have that seems to be heightened when black people are involved. Yeah, and I mean, even for the compliant die people, I mean, we still got to look at the fact this man was unarmed. Even if he has a knife, like, what you have guns. Like, what are you going to, what is a knife going to do? And there's plenty of footage of people with, like, there's a guy that was, like, uh, with his shirt off, wielding a machete that was taken down with, like, a taser or, or at least not shot and taken into custody. I think he was a white man. But, Police again. The the 
the level of training that goes into being a police officer should meet the threshold of, of what I think are reasonable expectations um, before you discharge your firearm. I, I'm pretty sure most police officers are trained in some form of de-escalation tactic. Um, you can even say hand-to-hand combat is, is a form of non-lethal de-escalation. Um, and what I mean by that is they literally teach you to protect yourself, but they also teach you how to take people down, put them in holes, get them in handcuffs, restrain them without having to discharge your weapon. No training and no like police department wants these types of situations, regardless of what people may think. Like the the design isn't for people to just go out here and just start shooting their guns. Like there's a there's just no way that that is the design because at the end of the day, there's always going to be more guns on the street than there are cops with guns. So they can't just go around just trying to shoot everybody and everything. But like you said, there there is some some unfortunate grassroots fear of black men in America that just seems to to always trigger the worst in this country when when these situations happen. I mean, from the time this man was shot, it took what maybe two three days before oh he was a sex offender. What? <laughs> like where did that come from? Like why does every time every Literally every single person, except for I think Breonna Taylor, there's been some kind of campaign behind some offense that they had, like some crime that they had. Like, there's this. a lot of people. You missed. Yeah, there's it. a lot of people in. You what missed it. They just leaked. They just leaked some of the report on Breonna Taylor, uh-huh. and there's dirt. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. That, I, mean, I hadn't seen it either, but I read it, right. and now there's dirt, and I was like, okay. man. But that was recent. But they had left that alone. But they leaked it, and one of our one of my saltine brethren was so it was so kind to share it with me. But continue, I just wanted to let you know that they they smeared yeah, her I was, too. Yeah, I was now. just gonna say, all right, the the smear campaigns are just so predictable, so ridiculous, man. Like people don't deserve to die at the hands of police officers unless they shoot at the police officer, and that cop obviously at that point has no choice but to shoot back, return or fire back. Um, him walking around that car, like if I if I was to like try to find accountability in the situation, it should have never gotten to that point where he was able to open that door. The minute he got around to that driver's side door, after that officer or the officers had told him multiple times to uh to you know stop, if he was in fact being detained at that point, take him down. There's three of you. It's three of you there. And they said they used the taser and didn't work. Okay, that's fine. You still trained in hand-to-hand combat. It's three people, three trained officers, three officers in general. They even if they're not trained, it's three people against one man. How can you? How is he able to open the door? And even if he has a knife, he didn't turn around and and swing it at anybody. He didn't threaten them in any kind of way that we saw in the video. But like, even with the knife. Like why? Why are you shooting them seven times, man? Why are you shooting them seven times? And I've seen, uh, I've read like some stuff that said that he told the officers prior to their scuffle or whatever that he had a knife in the car or something like that. But I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, the the this is a preventable situation. No, nobody should have been shot in this situation. Yep. So evidently, factually, the knife was found in the car 
on the driver's side floorboard, but no other weapons were found in the car, so he didn't have a gun in the car. He didn't have the knife out with them. He did have warrants, and you, you touched on that. And then, see, I... And we haven't gotten to the NBA one, the NBA part. We're going to talk about the NBA protests. But sometimes, man, and this is just a real feeling. Sometimes I just, I don't feel like, I'm trying to think about how to say this. Like sometimes I don't feel like we have to like make every one of them into a hero. And I know why, because they're being dehumanized when they get shot. So we try to humanize them by saying how good of a dad and all kinds of things they were. And this guy's kids were in the car. But sometimes I just think that we should focus on the crime and not trying to lionize the person. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't want to make this into a, a black man versus cops thing like as a whole because a month ago I watched a white man answer the door with a gun in his hand because the cops were knocking on his door in the middle of the night and he got gunned down by police officers because they were basically scared he opened the door was like what what the fuck and he was like gun pop 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 in front of his girlfriend you know for for a, a domestic uh, car or noise complaint a noise complaint and he was gunned down uh, I think that was in Arizona and Phoenix yeah so again at the end of the day, there are two separate problems that we have here. Uh, one, again, black the way black men are treated by uh, law enforcement is as a as a whole in this country is just god awful. But two, police yet again do not get held accountable when they recklessly discharge their weapons. They could have shot them fucking kids, bro, and that would have been a super tragedy. And people would, I bet you, if those kids had got shot. People would have blamed Mr. Blake yep. and everybody else except for the police officers. And that's just not right. That's just not right. Again, the military, military, these dudes are trained to kill, are held at a higher standard than our domestic law enforcement. That doesn't make any sense. They can't just keep shooting people and not answer for it. They just can't. You can't just be discharging your weapons in the public in, in, in situations where it's non-lethal um, uh, perpetrators, like you just can't keep gunning them down. Even the the gentleman that was killed by the cops with the taser uh, in Atlanta at the Wendy's, they shot in the direction of parked vehicles. People were in those cars, and they're shooting past those people sitting in the cars to shoot at somebody with a fucking taser. Like that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I and I know there are people out there that's like, well, they got a right to go home and this and that. A taser ain't going to kill you, bro. You got two officers there. Even if he tases one officer, then you can, you can assume that the second officer has a right to fire his gun. If that officer gets tased and that person then goes for said officer's, like, uh, firearm, then, yeah, by all means, shoot. But if this dude shooting a taser and running away, the hell are you shooting at? Why are you shooting a gun back at him? Because, again, if you shoot somebody just sitting in a car or something, not only is that, like, extremely reckless, but they're going to sue the hell out of the city, state, whatever, you know? Like, I feel like there's no accountability still. And, and 
that's what this all boils down to. All the Black Lives Matter stuff, all the social injustice stuff, at the end of the day, it boils down to an accountability standard that we have for our officers in this country and law enforcement that we just don't uphold. We and just I, don't uphold it. And, and I thought that's ridiculous. what the country was about, I guess naively, that we hold the powerful, that we the people run the country, and we hold those in authority to a higher standard, and we hold them accountable. But evidently, that's not true, because we don't hold the police. There, uh, I, and I saw this on a, a different show, and I can put it maybe in the show notes or not, but basically there was a, uh, a, a couple of police departments, they tried to hold them accountable by just writing a report every time they drew the weapon. And the police said mm-hmm. that that would endanger their lives because they would be less likely to draw the weapon because they had to file the paperwork. Like, what does that say about your work ethic? What does that say about your thinking as a cop? Like, whether you pull the weapon or not should not be be predetermined by you having to do paperwork. It should be predetermined by whether you should do it or not. But that's the kind of thinking where they close in ranks. I try to think as a teacher, and I told my son, we were talking about it, and I said, as a teacher, we had a, a teacher that I didn't know about it, but there was a video that was circulating, and this teacher... uh flipped the desk with a student in it most of the teachers were aghast but there were plenty of teachers there that were like see these are these kids will do you don't let them get you like that and there were some teachers that knew but the, our first mission is to protect the children not to protect each other and so with policing there's this us against them mentality which ends up hurting them in the long run and hurting everybody in the long run yeah, I mean, again, police police need to get back to uh, being involved in the communities, being being recognized in the communities, and and being there to serve the communities and protect the communities. Like, what is, what does serve and protect mean to you, man? Like that 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 um, burden that you take on serving and protecting isn't just for your family. That's not how this works. And, and I get sick of hearing people say that, and I'm sorry. That's not how it works. When the Secret Service has to protect the president, do you think they sit there and they go, oh, well, shit, I mean, I can't take this, but I got to go home tonight. No, that's what you sign up for. You sign up for that risk. You sign up with going into the job knowing that this is the risk that you're, you're um, willing to take. This is the sacrifice that you're going to have to be willing to make sometimes. And that there is a chance that you might not go home to your family, which, which again is is unfortunate. I'm not trying to say the job is easy, but your family's not more important than the people you're supposed to serve. Family either. It's it's you're responsible for everybody. Your family, your partner, yourself, the community, man. Like that's not an excuse, bro. That is not an excuse because the day you discharge your weapon and you take a life that was not necessary. Um, that family is going to be without and they're going to mourn and it's not fair to them that you basically say sorry my bad no no like i i mean we gotta we just have to hold people to a higher standard when it comes to law enforcement and a lot of times when you when you talk to uh law enforcement people and do we get do we get dropped no i can hear you Okay, all right. I was 
maybe somebody else was calling me on Skype. But anyway, a lot of the times when you hear when you talk to law enforcement people, they they like bucket that notion. But it, I don't know where it got like misconstrued along the way that that this is my life and my family is more important than than the people I'm supposed to serve and protect. No, like that includes everybody. So. Um, Again, I, I implore people who, who listen to the podcast or who know people, even cops right now, if you can't do that, then just find another job. It's okay. I can't be a cop. That's why I'm not a cop. <laughs> I, I mean, I know my limits, and, and I'm pretty hot-headed, and, and I don't really have a lot of tolerance for, for foolishness from people. So, yeah, I don't want to be involved in these situations, so I'm not a cop. Uh, but if I were to be a cop, I would do it to the best of my ability and, and really take into consideration that when I pull this trigger, I'm taking a life. And it better be for a damn good reason. You know? Because, again, like I said, it's not it's not fair to these families. It's not fair to, to Mr. Blake that he got to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. It's just not. In a situation that even if you think that him having a knife is, is a reason for him to be shot in the back. Why is he able to get to the car to get to the knife? Like that, that yeah. those are the questions we need to ask. That's the, the things that people need to understand that you can't allow something to happen and then not take responsibility for the steps that could have prevented that thing from happening. But as we it's all know, if they people. had just been... Yeah. They have just complied. Nothing bad would happen. But that's not how yeah. the law works. You know, that's not Afghanistan. It doesn't. That's not supposed to just just because they were not perfect in their reaction is not supposed to be a death sentence. Now, if you want to throw them on the ground, if you want to get rough with them, whatever. Yeah, I understand that. But to before, to to wrap a bow on this. The thing I did hear that was fake news, and I'm not defending Jacob Blake and his history and his background. At, whatsoever however something that was fake news is i saw going around facebook and i've been waiting for official confirmation on facebook i saw that he raped a 15 14 year old girl that had been going around on twitter i saw it some people said 16 that is false they he he is charged with a third degree sexual assault but it was not a minor it they used the rhode island statute to combine it with the Wisconsin third degree assault to make it seem like he raped a child. Now, obviously, whatever, you know, he did was wrong if he did it, you know, innocent or perfect guilt to the woman, but this was not involving a child. But it's funny how they draw this misinformation into the situations. And I saw that on the Facebook comments the day after it happened. It's like, is there a warehouse for all this misinformation that they have? And it's really sneaky and it's really subtle, but it poisons the dialogue. But let me switch you because we talked about that enough. Let me switch you to the protest, the rioting. I'm not afraid to call it rioting that happened in Wisconsin after Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shot two people and was charged. What was your take on that? Um, I mean, my take on it is not popular. Um, I firmly believe that um, this, if this young man was in that state illegally carrying a firearm and killed two people, that he needs to be held accountable for those deaths. Now, whether it be murder 
in the in the sense of like first degree murder and things like that. Uh, typically, the threshold for first degree murder, um, you have to um, have intent involved in that. I don't think his intentions were to come up there and, and shoot people. I mean, you would have to literally be in his head at that point, or hold on, sorry, or figure out, um, you know, exactly what he was in thinking in that particular moment. I think that might be too hard to uh, prove to, to get a conviction with the jury. Yeah, like I just think that's just too hard. So I did some digging and I looked up um, because in my mind I feel like if you in in, in the justice system um, for us everyday people, I'm not trying to say black people, but I'm implying it. Um, if I put myself in a situation that escalates to the point where I have to use deadly force. A lot of times we get held accountable for the actions that we took that led to that confrontation, if you get what I'm saying. So if you knowingly came to the state with a firearm, even though you might have a right to carry in your state, you're not you don't have that right to carry in that state. So it doesn't give you the right to shoot those people, even if you claim self-defense. Why are you even in that situation? You put yourself in that situation. Um and you put yourself in that situation with an illegal firearm. I don't understand how people are defending this. Like, I I mean, at the end of the day, he's wrong. Even in the self-defense, he's wrong. He's wrong for being there. He's wrong for, for having the firearm. And he's wrong for killing those two people. Like, why is he even in that situation? And he's 17. What the hell is his parents? <laughs> like, seriously. I believe she was there, but from what I, I'm seeing I mean, on the memes. No, and she was I'm also not, there. But I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure that sometimes those memes or sometimes those pictures could be false. But they, they definitely have a picture of her dressed up in some stuff. Uh, but then the thing, too, is like, I, I see, and this is the thing that gets me, and neither one of us are partisan guys. I'm more political than you are, but I don't have a team. And you yeah. damn sure don't have a team. And so the conservatives just automatically jumped to his defense. He shot people. He hurt people. He killed people, if I'm correctly. So why are you defending that automatically knee jerk and make it into some hero when all this time you've been talking about how bad the rioting is, how bad the violence is, and this guy comes and thinks he's some sort of militia man, and then it goes south and he shoots somebody. You're defending that? Isn't that the same thing as going to a protest and rioting? You're going to be a militiaman to protect a business and you end up shooting somebody? They don't see a contradiction? I also think, uh, I, I didn't look too far into it. I just kind of glossed over it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some stipulations to um, to protecting your property with deadly force in Wisconsin as well, as far as their state laws go. And whatever he was protecting, I don't think he had a right to protect. It's not his property. His yeah. actual property. Yeah. So, again, no matter how you spin this, the kid's in the wrong. Uh, and he put himself in this situation where he had to take those lives. And because of that, and because he's not uh, legitimate sworn law enforcement, he's got to be held accountable. And, again... I don't think it's first degree murder. I don't think you can prove that. But um, what I did come across is what they call reckless homicide. Nikanda sounds like that's what he's gonna um or what he essentially did, and I think that's like a class D felony. I don't know what what the sentencing guidelines for that is in Wisconsin. I didn't 
decide to go that far into it. But he's got to be held accountable in some kind of way. And people really need to uh, understand that a lot of this, this, I got a gun on my hip, Second Amendment, rah, rah, rah shit is dangerous, man. It's dangerous to everybody around you. It's dangerous to yourself. Again, like, hell, he could have got killed. There's other people out there with guns who wasn't trying to shoot anybody, but then you pop off, then they don't feel like they got to pop off. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I just think I just think it's it's ridiculous that we continue to have these situations in our country where people really think that their their rights are, are more important than human lives. Like I mean, that's the, essentially what it boils down to. The funniest thing, and it's not funny, it's not ha ha funny. It's funny that it's so absurdly illustrates how the cops treat black people and white people differently. We have we have Jacob Blake shooting, and then you have Rittenhouse who walks past the cops with a long gun strapped to his body, wasn't stopped, and a protester says he just shot someone. And he's able to just pass by. Does anyone think this is what we talk about? They'll say, well, how is it about race? Because we compare the people that aren't apprehended. We compare the people that are apprehended by the police, just like you said, the guy with the knife. We see the way the police treats a black suspect versus a white suspect. And somebody even did this years ago where they came down the street in the AR-15 and the cops and, and saw the cops on purpose. The white guy that came up and talked to him, checked his stuff. He was fine. The black guy that came out with a gun and made him get on the ground. Like it's this implicit bias that when it's a cop, it becomes sinister. When we're talking about sports, it means that Luca passes like Larry Bird and his passes are pure and James Harden has cheap assist. It doesn't really mean a whole thing, a lot of life, you know, but when you're a cop and you view white as being superior and honest and black as being or white, at least not being as threatening as black, then it's something else. It's just amazing that they just let this kid go after he'd killed somebody when we've seen even with Michael Bennett remember when there was a shooting in the uh, in Las Vegas I believe it was there was a shooting in the casino and they grabbed the first big black man they could see and detained him that's how they think but the little white kid who just why not even check the white kid and see if he's old enough like to be carrying that like if anything else you know but just it's this and they say there's no privilege the privilege you don't see because that privilege is being able to walk with that gun and being stopped, whereas opposed to a black person wouldn't get that. Yeah, definitely. I I was very um, upset at that idea that, like, even even if um, you think self defense was justified, why wouldn't, why wouldn't anybody stop the person that that's pulling the, that pulled the trigger? Like, why would you just let him go? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and if I'm an officer, man, in in this in those situations, I'm gonna I'm gonna be vigilant with anybody with a gun because you don't know who's out there just to start some shit. So I don't know why you would just walk past somebody like that and, and just be like, oh yeah, hey, keep it moving, move over there, you know? And there's literally dead bodies lying in the street. Everybody's running around screaming, yelling, he's he's the shooter. And you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, keep it moving. Curfew's at 10. <laughs> the, the excuse the cops had, the uh, Kenosha County Sheriff, 
uh, David Beth said Wednesday he can't speak to the exact circumstances of the incident but said officers in high stress situations have such an incredible tunnel vision and may not have registered Rittenhouse it's like wow tunnel vision seems like the black folks always are a victim of the tunnel vision so what were you looking at when the situation went down but and again we know the police officer's a hard job it's just it, and a lot of it I don't know how many of these officers have implicit bias training I don't know how how often people are taught to check their racial biases um i think that's part of it too but some of it's just inherent we make these stereotypes so quickly and a cop would sometimes based on the way policing is done are constantly going after minorities a lot of times and i'm not saying like going after minorities in terms of like trying to hurt them but the, the the communities that they police more often by design by the structure are minority communities so it's very easy to get those stereotypes when you're always in the hood and you're always in these black and latino areas not necessarily because you were called but that's what you patrol so of course you're gonna have a negative view of black people or latino people yeah i mean that and honestly i think a lot of i think a lot of it is that um people are too too big on perception now what they see rather than experiencing things or talking to people you know so like a lot of people get most of their information from offline and stuff like that like uh i mean even in our sports group a lot of the interactions with black people for some of our white members comes from the sports group yeah. and I love our black members but they're not they're not a good representation <laughs> of what most black Americans are you know and, and yeah, that's true um, too. I mean we're very diverse or diverse, <laughs> diverse culture and um, I think this goes for every minority like there's a lot of shades of the minorities a lot of different um like directions that a lot of people go um and the stereotypes and things are very dangerous for the minorities because that's all a lot of white people know that's all a lot of uh cops know you know and we talk about criminogenic statistics and things like that if you look at the, if you look at that stuff and 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 there was something i was going to mention later like the the lady who was talking about like her her little brown baby that Jesus was Christ. you know more likely to be let me get the backstory uh, first criminal when let me explain it first her, before her you do it white this was like that this was a lady stupid let but me yeah, explain it though this is a lady at the republican yeah, national convention just to give some uh background go ahead yeah yeah and so if you look at just the statistics yeah like you're gonna be afraid but that you gotta get out and and know people not not everybody's like that and and again it brings me back to something that I've said pretty much on every podcast. If the police get back into the communities, if the police get back into the communities, we sh- won't have to worry about those things anymore because then you can identify with the people in your community. You can, you know your community, and when the community trusts you, they're going to let you know about things that are going on, and and people feel more entitled and more empowered to to really work together. In our society, it's cops versus people. It's not everybody working together. You see a cop, and, and that's what he is. He's a cop. He's not one of you. He's not your friend. He's not really here to protect you or help you. He's just, like, you don't know what he's here for, but especially with minorities, we don't trust police. We naturally don't trust police. I don't want to call cops. I work with cops. I work with cops every day, and I don't want nothing to do with the motherfuckers when I'm not on the clock. 
You know why? Because they're going to treat me like they treat everybody else that's black. And I know how they treat people uh, that are black because they come into my office and I have to hear about it. So, again, we need to get back to or we need to find a way to get to the, the Mayberry, Andy Griffith style of policing where people know their officers and their officers know the people and we work together to, to build communities and, and um, help one another. Yeah, we've talked about that with community policing and some of those things before. Yeah. Let's move. Let's move. Uh, I do think... I think uh, do I want to go there? Yeah, I want to go there. So I saw somebody on the page and he said, I just don't know what you do to fix the police. Like, people are so lazy. Two seconds of, A, a thousand posts were done about defund the police. Like, you couldn't have escaped that when this thing first happened. So you could have actually researched it instead of just look for the headline. You could have researched what people meant by it. But you also could just read up, you can just Google police reform. That's all it takes. But people are really that lazy that they'll only read a headline or only read a meme. And that's part of what we're facing, too. And I was fussing with uh, Jay in our group about messaging is so important. Because when you say defund the police, you turn people off and it's easy for the opponents to twist that. Because I had to look it up and say, well, well, what you talking about? That's not a good message. If I if I have to, if KFC's uh, slogan is finger licking good. Like, I know they're saying their chicken is finger-looking good. If if, uh, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes is saying they're great, the slogan should tell me automatically what the product or what the thing is about. But when you say defund the police, we're like, what, do you mean take all the funding? Do you mean take some of the funding? What do you mean, you know? So I think sometimes they shoot themselves in the foot by the way they market it, but because they're relying on people not to be lazy, and relying on the opposition to be honest brokers when people are lazy and the opposition is going to be honest. Man, that defund the police thing, you know where it went left? When a, a liberal suggested it. That's where it went left. Because the instantly it became a political thing. Like, like oh, they just want, they want to take your guns and they want to take your cops. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> and exactly. That's true. And, and, get, you, and you're right. And you're right. The... the I looked it up too for that simple fact that I was like, all right, when you say defund, what do you mean? Um, and and obviously, does it mean to completely disband per se? Um, there are some some situations where you you could make an argument for disbanding uh, certain sections of law enforcement, but it does not mean to completely get rid of like police. That's just not what it's about. But um, to I wish I had seen that person uh, or seen that comment of somebody asking what you what you can do because i mean i've got a laundry list of things we could do <laughs> i put a nice little article up get... there i gave him a nice little article and he yeah. meant well but it's like they just and this is not all if you're probably listening to this you probably are but we get some moderate white people i feel like too and, and maybe a few conservatives that are willing to listen that listen to us that are in the groups and that we know but in general uh i don't know how to say this when it comes to things that don't affect them, white people don't put a lot of energy into them. 
So the yeah. fact that they can say, "Hey, I don't know what Juneteenth is, or what would be, what would we do with the police, or what would be, uh, I didn't know these things hurt you. I didn't know those statues offended you." It's like because it's not in their world, they don't. And I guess a lot of people are like that. But like, you can ask me stereotypes against Hispanics and Asians and women, and I'm aware of them. So, like, I kind of know what the deal is. But for for them, I mean, I, and I guess it's a symptom of privilege, like, they don't get it. But I, I don't think there's enough curiosity yeah. about it. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's just a, a byproduct of, of privilege and, and not necessarily pertaining to all white people. Um, but I was giving an example or giving an example to somebody today about... Um, like how privilege works in my job, there's a certain section of people and they're not all white. It's a, it's a board and it's a very diverse board, but they're all from financially stable backgrounds. So they have a hard time understanding the struggle of, of people having to make co-payments on services. They don't understand how, how can you not afford this? It's, it's $20 a month. And I'm like, bro, this person makes less than a thousand dollars like before tax is taken out of their paycheck. And that's in a month. So they, they just honestly don't have the means. And they're like, I don't understand how anybody could not have that much money. So in the as it relates to what you're saying about uh, a lot of white people, they can't they can't relate to these struggles because they it's never directly affected them. But when it does directly affect them, shit gets done. Shit gets done real quick when it does directly affect them. Um, but it's unfortunate that it has to be that way, which is unfortunately part of the motivation for people to ride and loot and, and tear shit up because that's the only time people pay attention. Colin Kaepernick took a knee for two years. Ain't nobody want nothing to do with his ass. And then the first time somebody broke the window to a Starbucks, everybody's like, wait a minute, they're going crazy. What are they going crazy about? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, but that's that's unfortunately our country, um, which I, I pray every day that it changes, but I don't know if it will, man. Like The Work that people have done um, since George Floyd um, was um, killed, it just it just seems to to gradually keep taking steps back. And yep. a lot of it is doing due in part to um, voices being drowned out, and 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 again, a lack of leadership and um, continuity with within our race. Uh, I, I hate to say it like this, but I mean, this is our show, so fuck it. I'll be honest. I feel like white people hijack the struggle, man. Definitely. Like, I keep seeing videos and of uh, of white people being angrier than black people, and, and a lot of these protests and rallies and stuff is more white people. Um, even on our on our conversations on threads and things like that, white voices speak up before black voices, and then when a black voice tries to speak, you still get two or three more white voices like doing more talking than listening and um i just feel like this at this point it's just a waste of time almost like we just back to where we were before honestly yep. it's just there was some real just, meaningful dialogue different, going on there was real meaningful yeah, dialogue but you know how when it was happening that first two weeks when they were saying listen to your black friends they stopped doing yeah. that and they started going right back to the way it was before and these are supposed to be the allies 
and they're racking up more shit and making shit hard on us. It doesn't matter how many white faces they see out there. They still blame us. They still blame, blame Black Lives Matter. At, at best, they'll say Antifa took us over, you know, and we're being used as pawns. Yeah. But did you see that video yeah. of the white people in the lady's face at the restaurant? That video yeah, I, is horrible. If I was Joe Rogan, ridiculous. we'd be in the same room and I would absolutely. play I would play the video because that's what Joe Rogan always does, plays the video during the thing. I'm trying to learn from the master, but uh, we're not at that point yet. Maybe football season, we could do that. But it's like, do you and, think and, that's effective? And let me, I was, before we switch topics though, let me, let me say this and, and be very clear about this. When to all my white friends and 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 white people who are want, want to be you know pro black and help out with the Black Lives Matters and and things like that, listen to me. There are plenty of white voices we don't want to speak. We don't want them to be to say anything. <laughs> A in, lot. In fact, they're better. They're better off staying silent. So don't pressure people into to thinking that like. You know they have to change the meat. This is a process, man. You, I mean, you're fighting a lot of different variables. So we're not we're not asking for immediate change. We're just asking for people to listen, and then we can work together and get to that to that change. But don't don't be out here asking your grandparents and 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 things like that, people yeah, like that, ready. to to understand the struggle and stuff. Because a lot of people are not ready for that, and then you're just gonna get your your feelings hurt. Changing the topic to drowning out voices, and this is where we might disagree. We got to get to a little sports, and the NBA decided to boycott, uh, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks did. Uh, it's neither here nor there, or I can't figure it out. It, officially, the NBA postponed the rest of the games, and the Milwaukee Bucks definitely decided to do their boycott without uh, notifying the rest of the league, which in their meeting, a lot of people are upset about. But let me get off my feelings about this. I, and it's, it's a good thing this is later at night because I don't have as much passion as I did during the day. When that sun goes down, I don't have that same passion. But, um, man, I think this is one of the most, not 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 the Bucks specifically, because they are directly affected by what happened to Jacob Blake. So in some ways I understand that, but the Raptors and the Celtics were talking about it. And also the players were talking about shutting it down. Now it's one of the most ill-conceived dumbest things I've ever heard in any kind of activism or any kind of race relations. So what you got here is an organization that just donated $300 million to your cause or organization run by white people, mostly watched by white people as far as enough to make money. And they sacrifice that, let you put it on Jersey, let the whole league become a civil rights commercial. And you are going to bite the hand that feeds you literally and sit out games and remove the platform that you have. The only reason anybody cares about what you have to say is because you can play basketball and you're going to stop doing that and you have no plan to make change other than asking the owners to do it. I just think it's the, I, I'm ashamed as a black person that this is what they came up with. That's how strongly I feel about it. I wouldn't say I'm ashamed. Um, 
I, I mean, it, it was kind of a rush to judgment. Now, I will say this. Uh, the, the Bucks obviously had no choice. Um, I mean, Milwaukee, the Bucks in general have been directly affected by piss poor policing um, as an organization because one of their uh, members almost got, I don't even know, shot, tased, suffocated. I, I mean, the situation with the young man um, and, the, and the officer, I don't know if people are aware of it. I always forget his name. I think his last name was Brown, but there's a player on their team. He was pretty young. He wasn't as known as Giannis, obviously. Uh, had an unfortunate interaction with the police officer. And um, the Bucks have always been, you know, supporters of any type of, like, police reform after that particular incident. Um, I understand where they came from and why they decided to take a stand. Um, I don't actually have a problem with other teams and players wanting to support them. I think my issue is, is that you had a chance to, to make this stance of, we don't want to play. All right. And you decided to play. I don't actually have a problem with you sitting out, uh, you know, for the, for the one game or whatever. My issue is, is that I feel like people really believe that sports is a distraction from from everyday life. And it's just not, bro. It's just not. I watch sports, gamble on sports. It consumes me to the point where I'm up all night and, and everything pretty much works around sports schedules. Not once have I ever watched a Milwaukee Bucks game and been like, man, feels good not to be black today. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't change my mind. It doesn't change my mind. I don't. I don't watch these games and forget that I've got bills to pay and, and a life to live, or or my kids upstairs and, and needs to take a bath, and, and we're potty training and things like that. It doesn't do that for me, and it doesn't do that for a lot of people. So stop using that as an excuse, man. Like sports is not a distraction. The NBA, for what it's worth, did give these guys a platform um, to support the movement. And, and I know that um, everybody appreciates that. But in the same breath, I don't know what they could have done. I don't know how they could have done it. But it was a little kind of disorganized. And then this this whole, well, we're going to shut the whole season down thing and, and then come back and be like, nah, we'll play. It just looks kind of... Like it looks more for show, honestly. At at that point, it's performative. But, All these but, liberals can come and say, "Oh, you're so brave. You're Malcolm X. You're Fred Hampton. Get, yeah. You're Martin Luther King. You're modern day Kareem and Bill Russell." It's so performative. The the thing that gets me is it's laziness. Do the work. Research redlining. Start an organization to try to face that. Look up food deserts. Look up childhood obesity. Look up how black women are treated and more likely to die in childbirth and how they're treated by doctors. Look up uh, prison prison reform. There's so many issues. Look up people like Maya Moore. Dedicate yourself to getting one guy out of jail. They will not do the work. They're only speaking cliches and they try to mass market everything because since AU, everything about their life has been trying to be the next LeBron, the next Jordan, the next Kobe. So they think that social justice can be done like that, but it's got to be done at PTA 
meetings. It's got to be done at city council meetings when you allocate the money and the black neighborhoods get less money. It's got to be done when you're talking about uh, gentrification. It's got to be done at the local level. And if you're going to get there, you're going to have meetings with the police and about their policies. And and it can be done nationally too. But that's what you got to do. You've got to amplify the black voices and I guess the whites that are helping out that are already there doing the work and learn from them. You you know how I know they're not serious? They don't go to the elders. They don't go to Bill Russell for advice. They don't go to Kareem for advice. They don't go to uh, Tommy Harris for advice. You don't hear them talk about it. (laughs) They went to Jordan. Jordan uh, (laughs) apparently was, was the voice to tell the owners that they need to listen. Now, and what I will say is this. I, I fully understand what they're, what they're getting at when they're like, the owners need to do more. But like you said, you know, players need to do more as well. It needs to be a team approach. Now, halting the game to, to restart that conversation again might seem more for show than anything, but it did get the conversation going again across multiple platforms whether whether people are doing it for sure or not it but who had stopped talking about attention. it though who had stopped talking about it yeah. well that's the thing they're still protesting think, yeah like, they're still protesting but but i i just i guess it's just a way of, of they're more these people are not and it wasn't even a conversation it was just the same old people saying the same old things and giving them praise but these people are not as important as they think they are. They want to be in the spotlight. You haven't trained, you haven't worked, you don't know these issues, and you think you can make a change just because you're famous? They had all this time in the bubble away from their families, and this is all they can come up with? Some shirts? LeBron did the thing with the voting. You know their stuff about voting. They, the, 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 what, the, uh, <laughs> what the Milwaukee Bucks plan was, was to call the DA and the, and the uh, lieutenant governor and ask them what they could do. So your plan was to call and ask how you could help. That's what you came up with. And you know this has been going on forever. So I, I just find yeah, it unacceptable. Yeah, I, I, as, as, as I find it embarrassing unorganized, unacceptable, and half of it, when they had the meeting, the other teams were mad at the Bucks because they didn't give them a heads up, so it made them look bad. So Braun would not have to be a hater, and they had a meeting today, he didn't speak. Basically, Braun was just pissed off because they put him in a bad position. I mean, I can't, I can't even say anything to that. I, I don't know if I, if I took that. I just, I looked at it like Braun... Brown and them wanted something to be done uh, in the sense of people with the money at the top um, to kind of put forth more, um, I guess, financial backing to to reform and things like that. They gave him three hundred million dollars. It's but yeah, yeah, but it's like where, like, what more do you guys want? And like at this pace, like these things take time. Like you said, it needs to be researched. It needs to be talked about, discussed, and planned properly like you can't just like that it just seemed a little unrealistic for them to to think that they could stop the season and and um that would make people or force people to take action more than what they've already done it it just needs more time and organization um i will say to this though um i don't know if you saw what jared kushner said about uh how 
the NBA players are fortunate enough that they could take a day off from work or something like that. Yeah, like, you did. What the hell, bro? Everybody's got PTO, man. You, <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't because you work for your crazy-ass dad, but I was like, in America, I think most people can take a day off from work if they want to. Yeah, I, mean, I knew he was trying to get at it. Yeah, most people can't protest. take a day off. Like, yeah, dang. Yes. I was surprised he came off like that. Like you, I would expect Pence said something stupid or Trump said something stupid. Kushner usually is halfway decent. He said he wanted to talk to Braun, but like, come on, man, that's not going to be a real conversation. And Braun could have got him on the phone if he wanted to anyway. But let me read you what this guy said. Very rarely do I feel like somebody says it better than me, especially like a, 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 a not a non-famous person. But this guy on the ringer, um, and I'll tag him and give him credit on the Ringer uh, Facebook page, NBA Facebook page, he says, R.C. Carlton, I feel you. The general lack of understanding of how boycotts work is pretty frustrating. Shaking my head. NBA owners, ESPN, ABC, and TNT, do not have the power to hold these police accountable, police departments accountable. There are protesters in Kentucky getting arrested every day, demanding justice for Breonna Taylor, making no progress. Kenosha is on fire and in chaos, and the police have refused to even arrest the cops to calm things down. The idea that these local officers or local officials that are unmoved by the protests of the people in the communities they serve are going to see the error of their ways because a basketball game isn't being played is delusional. And I thought the way he summed it up was just great and he went on to say and i'll just read another part of it he'll say boycotting games isn't going to collect signatures to get police reform on the ballot or pay for messaging campaigns and polling to public pressure on state and city level officials they should be funding the people who are doing the real work their hearts are in the right place but they don't have any idea how complex this issue will be to address they could boycott for a decade but if they don't do support they don't do support fund the local grassroots work grassroots work literally nothing will change they're just gonna make themselves more culture war fodder if they do this this is before he did it and as that puts how i feel without my emotions which i'm so pumped up about it i can't even articulate it as well as i want yeah no i agree um you you have to start local um and i know the presidential election always gets more press than, than any other election but we if people really want to make changes and if they believe in the political system, then they need to make sure they do it at all levels, like local, state, federal, like it has to be at all levels. You can't just say, we got to get Trump out of office because in the grand scheme of things, Trump ain't the main problem. He's part of the problem, but he ain't the main problem, okay? Uh, So you just want to make sure that you thoroughly do your research and and, um, get out and support the community and do everything that you need to do at your local level and then work your way through state and federal. But yeah, he's right. He's right. It's it's unfortunate that they think that people really watch these games and and forget about their everyday life. I think that is a little, um, so I don't know the word to look for. I mean, like, like he said, their hearts are in the right place, but I, Again, I think it's stupid, man. Nobody's ever watched a, a, a Lakers game and really forgot about life. I don't really think it works that way. Those games only last about 45, 50 minutes. And then you got to go back to being you. You got to go back to your life. And and for them to say that, that this is a distraction, no. I mean, it's really not, honestly. It's really not. Because like you said, things were still going on. Their jerseys all got protest slogans or, or uh, Black Lives Matter support slogans on there and 
And uh, I still applaud the WNBA ladies who decided that they were going to not go to the bubble and actually stay and help with social reform and things like that. That's awesome. Maya Moore, she started, what, two two years ago, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, she got that young man out of jail. And and I think that's the type of things that we really need to do. Like, off-seasons, obviously you got to train and things like that. But if you can't physically be there, then put your money behind it. Le- LeBron did do a great thing to get the Dodger Stadium to open up for uh, for pollings. But those are the types of things that everybody needs to do if, they, if they're really willing to, to – want to see change and you don't have to do it at that magnitude but support your local communities man like if you live in Houston support the Houston community you know like put some money behind it yeah and that's like if nothing else fails just do what LeBron does ask him what to do what his people to do and then just do it on a smaller scale in your community or something man if you can't build a school build an after school program if you can't do that, build tutoring, do babysitting, do Head Start, do something, man. Build a daycare. Like, you can help the community. It doesn't, it's not that hard as far as idea wise. You're a I Google like search Le- away. LeBron probably tips as much as. Did I lose you? No, I, I keep, it keeps going in and out. Oh, okay. um, I was going to say. Um, LeBron probably tips as much as I make in a year, but even my poor ass goes out and mentors locally. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do the best brothers, I can big do. sisters. There's a lot you can do. But let's before we leave, I want to talk about one last issue. It is sports related, so if you didn't come for sports, get out of here. But we had last week the the, the, the what is it? What they would say the calm before the storm. We had Luca versus Montrell Montrez Harold and the bitch ass white boy. Uh, debacle. What did you think about that? Man, again, white boy, boy to white people, cracker, honky, wigger, whatever it is that motherfuckers be trying to say is offensive to white people, just holds no bearing in our society, honestly. It doesn't hold any bearing. Like, people don't care, man. People don't care. And Luca don't even really speak English, so it didn't even phase him for real, but. <laughs> White people who are offended by somebody calling you a, a a white boy or saying boy to you like that doesn't make any sense to me because the whole idea behind what it means to a black person why it's offensive would encompass like slavery and, and other things going on that you've never really experienced as as a culture. So I don't understand how you can feel like it's the same or even relatable, but. It's whatever, man. Like people just looking to be offended by something, and and I know it's probably gonna rub some people the wrong way, but I'm so fucking tired of that. I'm so tired of this inclusion into offensive things and, and struggle and things like that. When you never wanted to be included in that shit throughout this process, but now it's become trending. Now you want to be offended by something. Like uh, I hate to pick on my man, but he was like. Hey, is it okay if I call people Uncle Toms and stuff like that? Like, no, you don't get that. <laughs> you don't get that right. You don't get that right. And to be honest about it, I wish I didn't have that fucking right because I don't want it. I don't. There's a lot of things that goes into being black. There's a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and you don't get to take the good things of our culture out so you can look cool and be cool. No. I was about to curse again. No, it doesn't work that way, bro. It does not work that way. So 
black people out there, if you catch white people doing that shit, call them out on it. Call them out on it. What Harold said was wrong. Yes. But what he said is nothing like what it means to black people when a white person says it. And if that hurts you or you feel some kind of way about that, white people, I say it all the time, we didn't make the fucking rules. So I'm sorry. I mean, that's just part of our culture. It's part of our society. I wish it wasn't like that. I really do wish that a black man calling a white person or a white male boy was the same way as a white person saying it to me right now. I really wish it was equal like that, but it's not. So stop acting like it is and stop trying to make it like that because it's just not. I said something before, and I mean, I sort of feel like you did, but I won't go into detail because I was controversial enough on the NBA take. But I think I had enough black people going to be mad at me at the end of this one. But I think they look at it as tit for tat as if we're equals and we're in a competition. And all we're saying is, man, can you please include us in the American dream? That's all we're really saying. Treat us fairly. But they think that when we ask for fairness that we want to take something or to get something from them. So everything that we do to scream for rights, they have a reaction. We say black lives matter. They say blue lives matter. Now they're even saying baby lives matter. They say that all lives matter. Everything we do, we have Breonna Taylor. So they say, say her name. They constantly imitate and mock us because they think somewhere down deep. And I'm not talking about all white people, y'all. Obviously, talking about the people that do it. If the shoe fits, hit dog well holler. But they think that it's some competition when all you want is equality. If the guy deserves to go to jail, let him go to jail. But we want him to be able to go to jail or walk to jail like the white guys get to walk. Not a competition. We want it treated fairly in equality. That's it. And and I and I stand by that. You don't get to take the you don't get to be a part of this culture and and take from from it all the good things, all the positive, because that struggle and that pain is part of what makes black people just so fantastic. I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, because every culture has a backstory, but we don't get to pick from from the white culture, what we want that's good and, 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 and what we think is bad and just kind of overlook that. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, again, you you got to – there's just a lot of stuff that is passive-aggressive and offensive that I don't think people realize it, it comes off that way because, again, they don't know enough about black people and minorities to, to, really, um, to really understand why that would be offensive. But, again – we're still in the time where we can communicate, we can we can educate one another, we can have these conversations. Just like my homeboy asked if he could call black people Uncle Tom's, and I <laughs> kindly told him no. Sometimes <laughs> you gotta let him know. And I, and I told him I, and I said I appreciate that you can recognize an Uncle Tom, but no, you you can't no, you can't use that. You can't use that. So, uh, by all means, again, continue to communicate, man continue to keep the faith because once you give up hope that's pretty much when shit gonna go left anyway um since we're gonna end i just want to say one thing um terry cruz gotta go his attack (laughs) on magic city is unwarranted 
that is something that I think all people can unify on, black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian, Latino, whatever. If you've ever been to Magic City, I think we all can agree that that place is love of all colors, not just black love. So down with Terry Crews. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.